Okay. Becoming Christ-like, as uh, George has shared, that this will be our f- focus on the first uh, part of the Becoming series, Becoming Christ-like. I guess that uh, this should not be something new. It's always on the plate. In every sermon we have in the past and the future, being Christ-like has always been on the plate. And two things we come first is, who is Christ? We worship Christ. So it is always on the plate in our worship too. And then being Christ-like is an exhortation for us to be relevant as Christian every day. So it has been always on the plate, but maybe in this period we have a bit of focus, a bit of focus to choose Christ as our pattern of living, our pattern of living. Now, you can't see this very clearly, but it shows that I was put to the task of of preparing ten, uh, uh, organizing ten messages about uh, some a series on being Christ-like. So I work out ten messages, and what you can't see that is the speakers. One of the things which I put in is actually the speakers comes a lot from you all. In the sense that uh, next week uh, we will have Lee speaking to us, followed by Graham, and then I think it's Evan, and we will we have Pat, we have Sam, we have Ralph, we have George. It's one of my conviction as I stand here looking at you all and talking to you all is that you know among a lot of churches which I have been uh, privileged to worship with and be associated and work with because of our traveling, not because we like to jump church one church to the other, but because of our traveling, our association, our posting our work, we have gone through many churches, but this is one of the church which I find the depth of spirituality is very high. This is my conviction. I could almost make a paper plane and then fly it and then it dropped on one of you, man or woman, and you could just tackle this topic. Bring your journey here with clarity, with conviction and a blessing to all of us being Christ-like because you all have a depth of spirituality which I really appreciate that. I appreciate it. So what I'm going to share to you is more by way of reminder, something... I don't think I can actually put on the table anything new. It's something which you all have been journeying and you're in your sharing your journey with me and Chin over lunch sometime in my house and all that kind of thing. I always find it a blessing to listen to your story, even your love story. Alright. Now what is Christ likeness? What is to be conformed into his image as Romans eight thirty nine says? What is Christ likeness? Now, just to tackle the doctrinal part on it is Christ-likeness is that is to me there's two sides of one coin. First is that being a child of God, the moment we become a Christian, we are already a child of God. 
God gave us the Holy Spirit in us, the seal of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit indwelled in us, giving us an automatic regeneration, a love for Him, a love to actually being like Him. A love is already there. It is a process which is already there. And that sets us apart from all other religions. Whereby you achieve that goal through a series of ritual, um, teaching, discipleship and all that. Achieve it later stage and your different stage. But for a child of God, that actually starts from the beginning. We are already being a child of God. But of course, the other side of the coin is that we should become the son of becoming like the Son of God in what we do. So we should take some conscious effort to pattern our life to what Christ patterned when He was on earth. And it's definitely a challenging task, but being a child of God already, with the Holy Spirit in us already, and we are more capable of doing it. And also, we also live always under the forgiveness of God. We will fail. We will fail from time to time. But we go through the restoration process, which the Gospel always say, after we fail, we come back, confess to the Lord, and again, move forward. So it's two sides of a coin. Being a child of God and becoming of the child of God is two sides of the same coin. So there is also our effort we require to actually consciously in prayer, in reading of the word of God, to actually try to take Jesus' pattern onto our life. Now, so, who are we patterning patterning our life on? Is Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth while he was on earth. And where are our source of material is definitely found on the gospel. So the gospel should be our source of material of who Jesus of Nazareth is, was like, was like. So there are four gospels, the gospel of Matthew, written by a tax collector, an accountant. So you will find that kind of meticulousness on putting the story of Jesus as he's the apostle, one of the twelve, to put the story of Jesus in a, a way like accountant, so you have a detail as well as as accurate detail. All right. Then we have of Mark, the Gospel of Mark, one of the first gospel as tradition had put it, the Gospel of Mark. He is not one of the twelve apostles, disciples, but he is among those who followed Jesus. And if you read Mark Gospel at the end days. Uh, and and uh, what do you call stories about Jesus just before he was crucified Mark was the person who ran naked when the authorities come after Jesus you read that account he was the person who the young man who ran naked and the authorities come after him but that was Mark so he was among those who actually were following Jesus closely so he must have seen what Jesus was like as he record what Jesus is in the gospel. So the gospel of Mark. Then we have the gospel of Luke. The gospel of Luke, written by a physician, medical person who is very technical and very accurate too in the description. When the doctor take your hist- history, 
they will put things in a way whereby it will actually uh, help you. So I suspect that Luke, as as a, as a, as a medical uh, physician, would have that uh, integrity to put the, the the story of which he collected. He didn't say that he was there, but he collected trusted account of what Jesus is recorded by the first-hand witnesses. So we have the Gospel of Luke. And finally, we have the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John. John is the Gospel... John is the, 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 the apostle, one of the twelve, of whom written at whom Jesus loved. Whom Jesus loved. And I want to stress more of John's Gospel tonight. Uh, to, tonight today. John's Gospel. Okay, when I was reading John's Gospel over and over again, one of the things which grabbed me is about Jesus' relationship with God the Father. Jesus' relationship with God the Father come up so much that I couldn't sort of avoid it if I and uh, all right. And alright, you can't see this clearly, but just these four colors are the four gospels we have. Now, I pick up all the verses which have to do with Jesus relating to the Father. I and the Father are one. I love the Father. The Father said, this is my beloved son. All these verses which actually relate to the relationship between Jesus and the Father. Now, the, the yellow one is the Gospel of Matthew. You have about 50, 50 such verses spread over the whole Gospel. Mark has only about 11 verses which state that, category say that. I have to push the, the, the boundary too to, to pick up some which I think on the fringes it may mean that. Alright? And then we have 56 verses from the Gospel of Luke. But we have 102 verses. Jesus was talking about his relationship with God. At every point, in all situations, he was relating of what he's doing to his relationship to God. My father does and I do. My father answers my prayer. I ask him, what my father wants to do is what I want to do. The zeal of my father's house burns me. So you find in God's John Gospel, it is over and over again, Jesus is relating to his relationship with the Father. His relationship with the Father. It is overwhelming. Now, one of the things I can pass to you as a side here is the way to read the Bible is this. I found it to be very helpful. I read John Gospel 14 times. Casually, superficially, over and over again, and slowly as you read that way, you pick up this point. You pick up this point. And then I read the other three Gospels about five times each. Read as well as listen. You can just, nowadays you can switch on your iPhone or phone and then sleep. Put it on your ear and don't disturb your wife. And listen to the Gospel. And then and it's, it's good. Another way of not tiring your eye and read. But as you read over and over and over again, a certain pattern seems to form. And therefore, we, 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 we have that. So, uh, so this is what I'm going to share with you today, is Jesus' relationship with God the Father. 
And there are three points which I want to bring forward is his pleasure in the relationship. His pleasure, just simple pleasure in the relationship with the Father. The next is his security in the relationship. Jesus' security in his relationship with the Father. From the relationship with the Father. More right, more appropriate. And then in his mission in the relationship. Okay. Now, his pleasure in the relationship. One of the things I pick up is not just reading about John's gospel. As you read more time, you get a sense of feeling of John who loved Jesus can pick up the love languages of Jesus. Yeah, and there's this popular term, what is the love language? He is always, number one, he is always... Now, the relationship with God is a fact and not just a perspective. Or not a fact, perspective. We can, uh, what do you call, go over this again. But what I want to I picked up is that... Uh, now, first... About his relationship with God the Father, Jesus declared, he declared that his pleasure is to do the Father's will. The Father declared to him that this is my son of whom I love. So it was an open declaration. Open declaration of that, this relationship. A dynamic relationship of love between God the Father and God the Son. A dynamic declared relationship and is declared over and over and over again. The next thing is he always referred to it. So first thing he declared, the next thing he referred to it many times. One of the uh, things we learn about exegesis is something appears very often that is probably the main thought. The main thought. So when Jesus always refer at every point that this is everything has to do with his relationship with the father then you know that this is an important aspect of his life it is a fact it's not a perspective and the third thing he set apart exclusive exclusive time for this relationship it was written that he actually retreated to the mountain to lonely places a few times away from the disciple to just to be with the father so therefore I have this picture where Jesus was actually having a step a peaceful nap he was with his father a, ple- a, t- a really time of pleasure a time of pleasure now how do they relate to us now to have the most pleasurable thing is to have a relationship with God is the utmost now we actually have a hole in our heart a hole in our being and we can throw all kind of pleasure to it relationship pressure we can have the best relationship with anybody our, our spouses our children our grandchildren we can throw that in we can have the biggest best ambition and achieve that best ambition with the, 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 the climbing up of your career. And you throw that in. You have the best car. Or play the sport 
sport with the, 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 the greatest achievement. You throw all that in, you will not be able to fill that gap. You cannot fill it that hole in your heart unless you have a relationship with Jesus, with God, filling that hole. We are all created that way. That hole can only be felt, filled with a relationship with God. That's only one way. C.S. Lewis put it this way that we desire for something we forgot but never found. We have in our heart that desire and only a relationship with God. Not only it can feel it, it must be that most intense pleasure given to us, uh, in, we can experience. And in Revelation, when the church of Ephes- if, uh, the efficient church lost the first love, they can do all kinds of things. They are successful with all kinds of things as regard to uh, what do you call uh, being true with the, the, the doctrinally true doing good work being known to be alive but when they lost this first love they are threatened by God uh, by Jesus saying that I can remove you so the first love we have to even keep this first love keep that first love and be our main main pleasure be our main anchor so the pleasure of his relationship and we derive a lot of pleasure from being a child of God that will fill us okay now this is the picture of Jesus on the boat as we have seen and the account of Jesus on the boat he was sleeping when the boat was rocking tossed by the wave and it was to extend that the very seasoned fishermen was really scared that they would be drowned. They know they will be drowned. They are seasoned fishermen. So they know they will be drowned. And they say, why Jesus, you are sleeping? Because why? Jesus, he's secure in this relationship with God. That whatever can happen to him, his security comes from this relationship. He knows that Doing God's will, he will not be, uh, what do you call, he will always be successful to work. If you work on God's will, God will always bring that to the end. He's secure in God's relationship with God. So his security comes not from the outside, although the outside uh, situation changes like the storm, but he's secure, sleeping. What? The storm? I have God, the Father, creator of heaven and earth. What? The storm is nothing. But of course to the fishermen there, seeing the wave out is everything. They will perish. But therefore we can have, to us we can have our security because we have God behind us. We can have security. Now, what can we be actually sure of that God will faithfully take us through? I think I can think of three things. 
three things. The first security we have is that our salvation is secure. The Bible says our salvation is secure. We die or we meet Christ in the air. We will be secured. Our welfare, we will be with Him. That is total security. Our salvation is secured. The second thing we can be absolutely, I say absolutely, so be secure is this. God's meta narrative will always fall through. I mean, uh, will come through. That means what God has planned in the future as what He has done in the past will always fall under what He wants to happen. So in the Bible it says that uh, Jesus will come again. Jesus will come again. There will be a, 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 a end time. There will be a final, final judgment. All this will come true. This is another thing we can take to the bank. Not a lot of other prophecies, but the prophecy of Jesus Christ coming again. God, that will actually come true. So this is the second thing we can be absolutely sure of. And the third thing we can be absolutely sure of is that greater is Him that is in me than He in the world. Greater is Him that is in me that is in the world. So the devil, actually we don't have to be scared of Him. Now, a little story here is that it's, it's, it's what happened to me. I was only about three or four years as a Christian and still in my uh, year 12. And during the school holidays, three months, I work. I work in this small shop. And he's a nice man, all I can say and all that. But when he see me in my spare time, reading the Bible, reading uh, Christian literature, like uh, Sermon from Spurgeon and all that, and he sort of have his pastime trying to, you know, uh, dig at me, or but even seriously telling me that, all right, you can believe this, but do you know that over here we have magic, black magic, which is more powerful. You Christians can only talk, 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 and then we actually can see real black magic, and it's real. In real sense that they can actually invoke the, the, the evil one to do certain strange happening and those who come from my background in Malaysia we know that this there is manifestation such as this so as part of the contact or sharing the gospel I look him in the eye and say look here alright you know you have friends you know people of whom can cast spells and I say just for your sake, you go and talk to them and cast spell on me, the greatest spell they can cast. Cast on me. And I say, this will be the evidence to you that the greater in me than what you can do. Now, you may think that I was like trying to be brave, but my test is this. If I lose, I will stop believing in Jesus Christ. Same. Because he's not great enough. But I'm so confident that I know that Christ is me is greater than ever. So I just look at him and say, just do it. 
take it on. And we can have that, if you were to go up the missionary journey and all that, we can have that confidence to say, greater is in me than in the world. And we can look in the eye and say, look here, because of Jesus, creator, creator of heaven and earth, we have the authority over the evil one. And once I was in the Philippines and was preaching just like that, uh, with Pastor, Pastor Clark was preaching in another church, I was preaching, and just during the pre- sermon, one, one lady shows sign of being possessed. <laughs> it was not a nice, nice time to be stopped. But I stopped sports preaching, went down, and asked a few people, and we prayed, and somehow the lady come down and they took her away. They took her away. The matter of fact, she was really, some people say it could be some mental problem. Or I'm not sure. But for me, we just prayed. He was, in that moment, she was in that moment, uh, what do you call, settled with. But when I, I go back, I mean, during that time, I went for lunch, I got a call for Chin, and something happened in my house. During that time, during that, that time when we were having this praying and all that. So I'm telling you that the evil one is really active. There's a spiritual warfare going out, going, going, going on. Going on. But be assured that greater is him that is in me than in the world. So we have that security. So, so I'm, so three things we are sure of. Number one, when we die, salvation. Number two, God's plan will work right through. Number three is greater is Him that's in us than in the world. Okay? Of course, I, I pray that God's faithfulness will help me when I drive back to Maryborough in the, on, on the Monday, you know, that God will protect me and some of you pray for us as we go up and down. But, I'm not sure that God's plan for us at every day we walk, go down, we don't meet with the accident. Or with a nasty accident, that's not what God promised. Alright? So we know what God's sure promise is and we pray for God's grace in the other part of area of our life. Okay? So we can be sure of certain things, but we must actually be, 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 be truthful that God do not guarantee us because he didn't say that that when I cycle down the road coming to church and all that I will not knock down by a truck and that's the end of me but I will see him in heaven simple as that alright so security in the relationship and then finally his mission in the relationship now over and over again this is what Jesus says. Is that I do my Father's will. I do my Father's will. And tested to extend that by doing this Father's will demand His greatest sacrifice. His greatest sacrifice. And even this. He even went to the cross. He even went to the cross. So, so when I study about look at Jesus over and over in John's Gospel, I find that this is the thing which is probably the core thing which is in him. His relationship with God the Father. 
his relationship, the pleasure of the relationship with God the Father. And the second thing is he always feels secured in a boat tossed by the wind. When he's facing all the authorities, as though they were, you know, he, he, he's sure, he's sure that the Father's will will go through. Jesus is sure. He's secure in the Father. And he's also secure in the Whatever you ask in my name, the Jesus' name, my Father will do it. That's another thing he's sure of. Okay? And third is that we see Jesus, he always, he do the Father's will. Even to the cross. Even to the cross. Shall we pray? We thank you, dear Lord God, that uh, not only that uh, for your word which we can think through, but for the rest of the day, uh, this, this morning, we have a lot of things put up, dear Lord God. We pray that your hand will bless this, dear Lord God, as we move to the new year. I pray that, dear Lord God, that uh, for the rest of the year, Jesus will be our focus in our reading, in our meditation, in our prayer. That Jesus will be lifted out in our life so that when Jesus is lifted in our life, people will be drawn to you. People will be drawn to you. Use us this way we pray. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.